Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. The Habs were a team that started off extremely strong. They were considered juggernauts to some. And obviously, if you erase what happened in the middle of the season and just went from beginning straight to the end of the season, they'd be a juggernaut all year. However, this team went through so many ups and downs. And it started off with an offseason where Mark Bergevin acquired some different names that made significant ads to the lineup and fans were hoping for a team that can challenge Toronto for number one spot in the North and that would try and win it. Instead, they go on a hot start. They struggle with consistency after that. And we went through so many debates and conversations about that. They were fighting for a playoff spot throughout the whole year. They got hit with the, with COVID-19. Injuries, Price, Weber, Gallagher, the list goes on. Cole Caulfield signs. Eric Stahl gets acquired. Next thing you know, they make the playoffs by being the last team possible to make it. And then they make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. And it all comes to a screeching halt. And they lose to Tampa Bay in five. And it's, I don't know, it's heartbreaking. It was fun, though. Extremely fun run. And literally, this year has proved to me why I love being a fan of this team. It was the best hockey I've ever watched in my life. And it was so fun. Like, the run was just amazing. It was probably some of the best weeks of my life like 100%. in terms of in terms of cheering for sports yeah and it's so sad that like you taste it and it has to end like that you know what makes it even worse is the fact that Tampa's a team that has gone back to back now mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong they're full of excitement joy and they're they're feeling it they're ha- they're having a good time but you could tell that it's not that same feeling. Oh, not at all. If the cup was raised by the Montreal Canadiens, there would be tears of joy. And, you know, fans with tears in their eyes. But I feel like Tampa got used to winning to the point where it was like second nature to not lose right after a loss. Yeah. The fact that they're 15-0 and 0 after a loss in the playoffs just yeah. goes to show you that, or goes to show you how much confidence this team has, but not only the team, the fan base itself. Yeah. This is the Habs Culture Podcast. My name is Mark Anthony Bertaggia. I'm alongside Justin Schwartz. 
This is our first episode ever where there's no more games. It's crazy because you can't pull up the schedule anymore. Yeah, I'd pull up the schedule every every episode. He, and even just to clarify, he even pulled it up during the Stanley Cup final when... <laughs> <laughs> we knew what the we dates knew, were. We knew, yeah. <laughs> right? But it, it was a ritual that we had to stick it was, with. Yeah, I had to check. Just to make sure. Uh, just to make sure. And I could probably pull it up now just to see when the expansion draft is. I don't know if, if it's or on the calendar. Or when our first preseason game is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Moving on, there's going to be a lot of talk about the NHL entry draft, the NHL expansion draft, free agency. So, there's going to be a lot of talk about money, transactions. It's going to be exciting. I'm excited for it. I'm really excited because, you know... As a sports fan in general, a big part of the sport itself or of these major leagues is the trading, the signing. And quite frankly, a lot of the excitement comes out of that. You know, when, it, when your team makes a big signing that is a game changer, it's, it's fun to see, it's fun to watch, it's fun to hear about, and it's fun to cheer for. So it's a huge part of the game that I'm excited for. And on top of that, the expansion, the expansion draft excuse me, makes it that much more exciting. Right, You have to protect players and be a little bit more cautious as to who you're willing to give up or hold. Yeah, and every team has to be active, right? Well, so. that's it. And you and a lot of the teams in the NHL don't want to make a mistake because look at the way that it was treated or look at the way the expansion draft was tr- treated, excuse me, yeah. w- with, with Vegas. Vegas ended up coming out on the on the positive end of things in most acquisitions and trades. And they built an incredible team so early in their, like in their uh, existence. They don't want, teams don't want to make that same mistake with Seattle. Yeah. Vegas bullied everyone, but I still, I still think there's going to be a team that gets bullied by Seattle, even though they know they don't want to, I think they still will like Vancouver comes to mind. I think that's honestly a result of the fact that some teams are not really sure who they want to protect yet. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like most teams have an idea at this point, but still like there are absolutely big decisions that need to be made in certain front offices. Yeah. So later on, we'll go through who we think the Habs will protect. There's different formats to it. There is. Um, So we'll go through that. But right now, do you want to go through this whole season in like in general, what happened? Sure. sure. So we'll start off in the off season because it was a shortened season, but it felt like a long one. If we look back and think of like, I remember watching on TV on a random weekday night, the Habs practice. Cause that's how excited I was for this team. You know, to Foley, I wanted to see Anderson, I want to see Suzuki and KK back on the ice. We were excited as a fan base in that offseason, and we expected good things, and that's what they came out and did. They played very good hockey for the first, what, nine games? I think, again, it was kind of the type of hockey that we've seen of late from this team. Yeah. It was complete games with a team that was playing with a shit ton of confidence. Excuse my language. <laughs> I had to yeah. use it in, the, in that sense. They were excited. They were excited to start. And I think also, Mark... Just because you know we're going, we're we're, we're splitting it up in in uh, what's Just it from called? memory, right? Exactly. Yeah. So with that being said, I think if you look back at this team, I think they were excited because they had a few pieces 
highlighting Anderson and Toffoli, mm-hmm. that were bigger names that this team felt could make a big enough impact. And they were excited because they had new faces that were going to give the core of this team some help. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah, they played amazing. And if even if you look back at it, you're like, that. those nine games, Carey Price wasn't even at the top of his game. Like, it felt like a long time ago, but it was... It was the start of the season and throughout the regular season, if we're being honest, right? Then they go on that losing streak. Was it a losing streak or was it just they couldn't string? Like they were losing three, then winning one, then losing four and winning one. Like they couldn't string anything together, any wins together at least. And they fire their coach. Like if you think of it, they fired their coach this year. And some thought it was a little premature. And their associate coach. Kirk Muller. Yeah. It's crazy, though, because you look back at it, and again, we're going to look back at it a few times here. Yeah. But it's crazy because, like you said, they were on such a hot run, which then ended with them, you know, being inconsistent and not stringing wins together. And it came to the point where they thought that they needed a change. And if I'm being honest with you, and I want to hear what you have to say about this, I think that it was the right move. Because the one thing that stuck out to me the most, and I said this very early on, but I'm going to repeat myself, is that this coach was at the end of his career. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was at the top of his game to the point where I don't think he was used to this level of hockey. And I don't think he was able to make the necessary adjustments to adjust to the pace of hockey that was being played yeah. midseason. Yeah, he was getting um, mismatched, like when you're comparing coaches, right? Absolutely. And it was by coaches that are not by any means like incredible coaches. Yeah, by like Sheldon Keefe's or by like guys who haven't been here, who haven't won cups, right? Especially with a guy like um, Julien, who's won a few cups, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. he's had past success with, with a team that he kind of built. Yeah. Um, but look, they fired him also, Boston, and they're still successful. Absolutely. So, look, Ducharme, I think at the time... We liked it. We liked Ducharme because he said, oh, I want to bring an offensive approach and whatnot. Then they played a few games and we were like, hold on. This is not what we were promised, but we'll give him a chance. And it kept going on and we're like, but wait, how are they scoring less goals than they were under Julien? And then the playoffs started. I think they bought into his mentality. I think they like him as a coach. Obviously, he's going to be extended. Well, his interim tag is going to be removed. Absolutely. There is no doubt in my mind. And before we go on about this year, remind me to talk about Bergevin in his uh, exit interview. He I said heard something, what he said, actually. He said something very interesting. About next year you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. about his contract situation. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into that. For sure. But then they fire Julien. They bring in Ducharme. They bring up Burroughs. And we have to talk about Joel Bouchard, by the way, because... Yeah, it's too that, bad. I'm mad about that, but again. I mean, it was kind of inevitable. You think? I do. I'll tell you why, but we'll talk about it. Okay. Um, they bring in Ducharme. They go in on, again, they can't string three wins or two wins together. Yeah. It was one of those type things. And then people start to think maybe it wasn't the coach after all. Yeah, you know I mean? exactly. So then 
they're in a deep hole and Calgary's right up against them. I don't think Calgary ever passed them except once they got hit with COVID because then Calgary had like eight games in hand. And then, so now the Habs have to catch up to Calgary. It was that whole mess and they have to play against Calgary and they weren't winning and everyone's stressing that this team can't even make the playoffs. But we knew their capabilities. Like we knew that they could play well, but they just weren't. Then finally, towards the end of the season, we're at a spot where if you just beat Toronto a few more times, you don't have to play them in the first round because the Jets were on like an eight-game losing streak. But they couldn't beat the Leafs. The Leafs killed them, even though we had Primo and Nets in an injured team that was beaten up. But Leafs fans still thought this was going to be the same team in the playoffs. Even Craig Button. Like, anyways. And they make the playoffs. They go down 3-1 to one against Toronto. This is all by memory, by the way. If there was something I missed, just let me know. <laughs> I, I don't think so, no. Yeah. I just, just to go back a little bit, yeah. I mean, it was terrible watching this team for like a month. Depressing. even more. Yeah. Because, again, you know, it is so rewarding when you cheer for a hockey team that has been bad and then, you know, kind of turns it around. Yeah. But... Honestly, if I'm being really honest with you, to me, there was no hope of this team turning around. Like at at that point in the season, because like you said, they couldn't string wins together. And on top of that, they weren't scoring any goals. Price injured was injured, but for the games he did play, his stats were bottom of the league. Played for Laval. Played for Laval. I mean, (laughs) holy cow. But you know what I mean? There there was no hope in my eyes. There was no hope. It was, we just want to make the playoffs. Right. And, you know, I was telling you, Mark, I, I was thinking for this franchise, the Habs might be better off not making the playoffs. Now, I was, I was stood corrected, yeah. like, you know, and we'll go into this a little bit later, mm-hmm. but I was wrong. But, you know, it's crazy to me because, and this is the last thing I'm going to say on this topic, looking around the league, there are so many teams that year in and year out, they are consistent. They might have their rough patches because every yeah. team does, but they, for the most part, show that they are a winning organization. Yeah. And the Habs have been, has shown flashes of a winning organization, but have also shown flashes of being a bottom two team in the league at some points. So, you know what? You never know what to expect with this team. And that's why, that's what I think made this playoff run so special, honestly. But if there's one thing I want to see next year, and I know we're not having that conversation yet, but yeah. if there's one thing, I just want to see them play consistent hockey. Like, that's the word yeah. of our podcast, consistent. Yeah. Consistent. change it. Like, who would have thought that this team would have finished second? Well, that's it. In the entire league. To make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, it's still... And I said this after um, they lost Wednesday night. I tweeted this on Twitter. I said, the whole... Pretty much the whole playoffs. I think once they beat Vegas game five, that's when it kicked in that they're one win away from the Stanley Cup final. Like, I was super excited. Then they beat Vegas in game six, and it didn't kick in that they were... Like, I knew they were in the Stanley Cup final, but it didn't kick in. They played Tampa. They lost. And again, it didn't feel like this team was four wins away from the Stanley Cup until they lost. Once I saw them shake hands with John Cooper and the rest of the Lightning, and I saw Price's face in that handshake line, 
that's when it hit me that this team was just they were so close and it's it's so sad like people always say oh the Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy to win because there's four rounds of hard hockey you have to win 16 games and once you lose and as a fan base you watch your team lose you know how hard it is just to get there and then they're gonna have to do it all over again yeah that's right? the hardest part but you know for me mark like you said it didn't hit me either mm-hmm. because when they beat toronto in seven games i was happy i mean i wasn't off the edge of my seat here there was a <laughs> lot of work to do yeah but you know i was happy wasn't surprised right well, yeah. <laughs> maybe a little. Yeah, maybe a little. <laughs> <laughs> but then when it came time to Winnipeg and when they swept them, I was just like, okay, on to the next. Yeah. Didn't even think about it. But yeah, yeah. then again, look, Winnipeg did not look good, but no. they're still a good team. Yeah. So took care of them. Then it came time for a real test. Oh, yeah. I, you know, Toronto was a real test, but Vegas has, it, they have experience in the playoffs and they also have, they've had success yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. So I was like, okay, here we go. And they really took it to them. Yeah. And they really gave them a run for their money. And I was like, okay, this seems a little surreal, but keep on going. Then they faced Tampa. And don't get me wrong. I think for those five games, I think two and a half of them, they played good games. Unfortunately, Tampa stole one. Yeah. But that's what Tampa does to you. But the second that game five was over and they won it, I was like, wow, the journey to get here was really long and exciting. But I didn't, I did not... I took it for granted, I think, a little bit. Well, look, I'm not going to speak on your behalf, but maybe we we felt the same way in the fa- in the way that we didn't get to soak in every round. We beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in seven games after being down 3-1. Or sorry, they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in seven games, down 3-1. At Scotiabank Arena, Game 7, all of Canada's watching. But then, two ga- two days later, you have to play the Jets. So you have to focus on the next series. Yeah. You can't even, oh yeah, we beat the Leafs. Let's go, let's celebrate, whatever. Because we've got to play the Jets. you got to fly to Winnipeg. And then you sweep the Jets. Everyone's going crazy. Sweep the Jets, but bring on Vegas. Let's do it. So you can't even like celebrate. Because just keep moving forward and games are every two days, right? Yeah, there was a, it was a lot very fast. Yeah, everything happened very quickly. But you know what? I think at the end of the day, so let's let's look at it. Okay, so now that since we've done our little recap, yeah, I think I think I just want to point something out here. This team, and you mentioned this to me, mm-hmm. this team now has gone through. Basically a whole playoff run from beginning yeah. to end. Mm-hmm. The amount of experience this team has gained through this run is incredible. To the point where this benefits the young guys heavily. Cole Caviel had 12 points in 20 games yeah. in the playoffs. Nick Suzuki was on fire. He was by far... Bet- if I had to give our team, besides Carey Price, like an MVP for the playoffs, oh, yeah. I would give it to Nick Suzuki. Nick, yeah. Yes, Barry Kotkaniemi, unfortunately, because of the last two games, or the last, yeah, last two games, you know, we didn't slot in, and we have a strong opinion on that, but to still go out there and score goals like that is incredibly impressive. People forget what he did just because he was benched. Right. 
And then every time Romanov slotted into the lineup, which was twice or three times throughout the series, three, yeah. he looked like he gave life to this lineup. Yeah. So with that being said, these four guys who now have played at that high, high enough level have experienced a heartbreaking loss are now going to be able... It's not going to be easy, but, they're, but they know how to get to that point. They know what it takes to reach almost 16 wins. Right. Like, they were so close. What kills me is the fact... I know this team will be back. They'll be back at some point. Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Kotkaniemi, unless they trade him. Fingers crossed they don't. I really hope they don't. Those guys are going to be back in the Stanley Cup final. It's the guy in net. Yeah, that's a little sad. In the that moment. broke my heart. And especially, do you see what he said in the press? Yeah. In the presser after. Because my dream is obviously to watch the Montreal Canadiens win the Stanley Cup. My dream was also to watch Carey Price lifted in this uniform. And this was his shot. Who knows? It might not be his last. He still has. I, I'd give him till twenty twenty five ten and a half million. <laughs> And then 2026, he's a UFA. He could still sign. I think he might be out of here. But that's a long, that's ways away. Yeah, it's a, yeah, a long time. But who knows? But by 2025, Nick Suzuki and Cole Coff is going to be uh I think Nick prime. Suzuki's the next captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. I really do. Well, I wouldn't be surprised at all. He's got Bergeron. Yeah. And, and he's 21 and doing and well, this incredible stuff. Unless if Weber ends up leaving... At some point. I think it's going to be Gallagher. Depends how... Uh, depends. Not Byron. Or Gustafson. Anyways. <laughs> or Gustafson. <laughs> Get uh, out of here. We can go through... Because I'm looking at Cap Friendly right now. Shout out to Cap Friendly. I'm looking at this team in the offseason that Mark Bergeron has to figure out. Because it's going to be an exciting one. But before we get into the UFAs and the RFAs, um, do you want to talk about what Bergevin said? I want you to reiterate it for me because I'm not familiar. I didn't watch the whole thing yet. I had to go to work. So I didn't get to watch it, unfortunately. I'm going to have to rewatch it. But from what I read on Twitter and from what I read online, I don't have the quote in front of me. I wish I did. I should have brought it up beforehand. But he said something along the lines with uh, where he said, I have one year left on yeah. this deal. I'm going to play it out. I'm going to do what I can to help this organization. Right, I saw that, actually. He said something along those lines. Translation, I have one year left. I'm going to do what I can, and then we get out of here. That's what the translation is to most people. And, yeah, I don't know what that little noise was there because <laughs> I, was, I was stuttering, but... That um, I, I think that has scared some people. Well, I think it's the most. That's the calmest thing he could have said, because he he either could have said, "Yeah, I'm in the works of signing an eight-year extension," and people would have freaked out, <laughs> or he could have said, "You know what, I'm gone," and then people would have still freaked out. So he said, "I have one year left. I'm gonna do what I can, and we'll see from there." I'm gonna try and find the quote. Hold on. You know. I think um, I think some people are worried that he's going to like blow this team up and ruin our future, which I think is oh no, he won't. A little pathetic because I don't think. Well, here's what Elliot Friedman said on Thirty One Thoughts. 
he believes, or he's heard maybe internally, that Marc Bergevin, after his year as GM, would be would be taken off as GM and just be president of hockey operations. And then Scott Mellenby would be promoted as GM, who works for the Montreal Canadiens. So then the Habs would have a president of hockey operations in Marc Bergevin and a GM. Which is cool, I guess. I don't know. Well, we've never seen that before. It's just an idea. Who knows? Look, Bergevin always says something. Look, I'm not active. And then he trades for four guys. So he might be just, he might have just said something. And again, when Mark Bergevin speaks in English, it might not be the same. He like, might not I mean, mean the same yeah. thing as if he says it in French. Yeah, because there's some slang there. Exactly. Right? So this guy could have a five year deal in the works. Who knows? But people. I mean, just, honestly, hopefully not. I'm not People lie. just go to conclusions, right? And. And I want to talk about that for a second because I don't want people to think that I have something against Bergevin. I actually think that the work that he did this offseason was, you know, some people say, like, Mark, hear me out here because I think you're going to disagree with me and I want to have okay. a conversation. Yeah. I think I think the team that he put into place this offseason was he was building it because he knows that his team, like, he wants to build a team with strong depth. Yeah. Which then translates which then translates, excuse me, to playoffs, right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. But the one thing I question is, you know, this team realistically, this season was not a playoff team. Mm-hmm. The way they played. Yes, for, through the first 10 games, they looked good. But the way they played from game 10 to game 56, they're not a playoff team. So my question is, is that if they don't make the playoffs, what are your thoughts? Like what... What do you think? What's the next step? And I know it's a what if now. Yeah. And I know it's hard to imagine because, you know, they did go on that great run. But it's a, it's a lot to think about because would Bergevin be gone? Would Ducharme resign or would Ducharme get the head coach tag? Who would be out of here? Would Deneau even resign? If they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, if they didn't make the playoffs, I think the whole um, organization's blown up. You think? I mean, honestly, that's what I was hoping for if it came to that. But it didn't, so... Which I think, you know, okay, now I'm rambling a little bit because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of mixed up in my thoughts. I'm not really sure what to think. Well, look, people, people are going to come at us saying, well, Mark Bergevin was one loss away from losing his job then. Which, maybe. Which maybe he was. Maybe. Because in this industry, results are what keeps your job. Oh, absolutely. Je- yeah. So absolutely. you can't, so Jeff Molson can't say, oh, but he was one, one loss away from losing his job. So I have to fire him even though he went to the Stanley Cup Finals. It doesn't work like that. His team pro- finally played to his potential. Well, to their potential, actually. If they didn't make the playoffs? Ooh. Yeah. I think it's the same conversation for Toronto. Right. Which which they're actually in right now. Like, they're in that situation. Yeah, because... Because they actually Ours lost. was, what if we don't make the playoffs? Ours is, what if they don't make it past the first round? Exactly what they did. <laughs> Here's the quote before we move on. So, Eric Engels asked him if he'd like to continue his role beyond this year, if he's under contract. And Mark Bergevin said, I have one more year under contract and I will honor that. Uh, You know what I mean? It doesn't sound... It sounds like... He's done what he wanted to do with this team and he doesn't know... He doesn't feel like he could do anymore. And, And I agree with that because, you know, I think, look... 
in my eyes, this team, the base for this team is so strong. And what I mean, yeah. what I mean by base is the guys that compose, like the core guys. It's his team. Right. For the first year, I think this was his team. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying now is that, look, a GM who wants to put the cherry on, on the Sunday here yeah. would go out and get a top four defenseman, yeah. would go out and get a top six winger, would go out and get, I don't know, you know what I mean? For the cherry on top. Yeah. But at the same time, that might mean, or that could mean salvaging, I say a future, but if he, let's say, let's just say he wanted to go out and get Vladimir Tarasenko, which is not going to happen, but let's just say, mm-hmm. what would he have to give up? Probably a good amount. You know, I don't think it's that much. Really, eh? But I'm just, so I know I gave him as a name. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just throwing people out there because I just want to see what you would say. But a guy of that caliber. Yeah. A player a, a with that talent. A former 30 goal scorer. Right. Yeah. How much would you need to give up? And... With that being said, excuse me, a little bit of voice crack there, but with that being said, would that mean having to give up Kotkaniemi in picks? Would that mean having to, you know, give up Paling or a guy like Norlinder or Chip Flurry or Jordan Harris? Yeah. And look, I'm not saying that getting rid of those players is the end of the world. All I'm saying is that you don't want to salvage something that is now coming together very nicely and is setting yourself up for maybe 10 years of success, hopefully. 100%. I completely agree. I wouldn't trade for Tarasenko. I know it's just the name you brought yeah, up. Yeah, I, I would just exactly, but I would trade um, a defenseman, a defensive prospect. Okay, I think you have to because already Jordan Harris last last summer was Didn't saying, "Well, so there's keen. no room for me." Yeah, so that means one of Josh Brook, Kale Flurry. I think Josh Brook would be the first guy out, right? Because he still has potential, but he's not. And I think he's been in our system for a little longer. Yeah, now. he has. I would think like I would. Move if if I'm trying to acquire, let's say Vladimir Tarasenko, I would give Josh Brook a second, and then another deep prospect, right? Because Victor Arvidsson was traded for a second and a third. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to Tarasenko level, former thirty goal scorer, I'd even trade my first round pick this year. It's practically a second, if you think of it. It's practically a second round pick. So I trade a first, Josh Brook. Because and, uh, keep in mind, our first also, sorry to cut you off, was, yeah. is not incredibly valuable it's right 31st now. 31st overall. Yeah, and I mean, like, our, our um, excuse me, prospect pool is very deep. It is one of the more deeper ones in the league. And you have room to use those guys as, as trade bait. So, look, I mean, I don't know what the next move is from the Montreal Canadiens or from Mark Bergevin or the staff as a whole, but I know that they are... I'd say, I'm going to say a couple pieces away from being a contender year in and year out. They really are. And I think they need to push for that. That's it, right? You don't, you don't, want, to, you don't want to just settle for being that middle-tier yeah. team. You want to be the guys at the top. But I don't know what they need to do. Look, I don't think they're going to be the team that goes after Seth Jones, and I don't think they're the team that's going to make a run at Dougie Hamilton. I really don't. Yeah. Now, would I, am I going to sit here and say that I wouldn't want them to? No, because I think those are players that are difference makers but it's unrealistic now i don't know what the most realistic avenue would be but i do know that to get over that hump of average team to solid team and even maybe to above average team is going to be by making one more move that puts bergevin over the edge so you want to go uf through ufas and rfas yeah let's do it and i'll give i have a i have a bold take for you after okay 
So the first UFA right here is Corey Perry. So what we're going to do, I, I, have a, I have an idea. We'll, yeah. we'll each go, do we think he's going to stay or leave? And then what we want. Okay. What, like, so you know what I mean? And if it's a must resign or not. Right. So Corey Perry. I'm going to go with resign. Mm -hmm. And yes, I absolutely do want him back. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. I think that's, that should be in your top priorities. You think? I, yeah. I was going to say a must sign, but I think that it's not like a hard, like, I don't think it's a hard task to complete here. No. I think he'll take league minimum, you know, league minimum come back. I think he wants to do it for his experience mm -hmm. end of, end of career resume, but I think he's a must resign and yeah. he has to get back on this team. Yol Armia. So here's a little tricky for me. Here's a, it gets a little tricky. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say resign. I'm going to say, yes, I want him back, but I'm going to emphasize that to me, it's for the right price. And I know everyone can say, oh, you know, you want him for the right price, but I think here's my right price. I don't know about term wise. I don't know how many years I would give him. Maybe a two year deal. Yeah. But I would go one and a half. Yeah, 1. Exactly. I would like him. I think he's established himself as a great fourth line winger, but I think he's gone. You do. eh? Yeah. You think he's yeah. going to get money elsewhere? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Look again. I, I agree with the two years. I agree with the one and a half, 1.75. I think he's going to walk. I think he can, get, he can go to a team. Again, I always point out Vancouver, but a team like that that just likes to give away money, mm -hmm. Vancouver, Edmonton, yeah. he can go there and steal a two and a half deal. Absolutely. And I think that also he's, a type of, he's the type of player where some teams could use him as a third line guy. Yeah. Or use him as a front of net presence on the second unit power play. Like we don't use him like that because we he, we know his capabilities and he's been in our system for a few years now. But with that being said, I I would like him back for the right price. And I think that he's not a must sign because if he leaves, he's easily replaceable. Yeah. But I don't want to just let him go for for pennies here. Oh yeah, no, I think he's gone. Here's the next exciting one, Philip Dano. So. I know a lot of people are going to tell me he's a must resign. Yeah. I want him back. I want him signed. He's not a must resign. I don't think he's a must. I don't think so either. I think Corey Perry is like really, a eh? must. Philip Deneau, again. What are you giving it him? It all though? depends on the price as right. usual. This is what this game is about money. Mm -hmm. And obviously Corey Perry is a must resign because he's going to take a league minimum. Or even if it's one by 950, like who cares? Yeah, absolutely. But what, so... We both agree that we should resign him. What's your price on him? And what's your term? The max that I would do. This and by the way, how old is he? I just want to... I think he's 28, he's 28, correct? Okay. The max that I would do... This is not my preference. This is the max that I would do. Five by five. Okay. You know what I was going to go with? What? I was going to take the five years and I was very close to you at 5.25. Okay. That, that's like the max that I'd go. And, and you know why I say 5.25? It's not. It's not to lowball him, and I don't want to. And not that his performance hasn't necessarily deserved six. But keep in mind that he's a player that Montreal wants him here because he's French and because he's an incredible defensive yeah. hockey player. But let's be real. On the other side of things, he's a, he's the type of guy that wants to stay here. So I think he might take a little bit less. So two hundred fifty k. I even think that he might sign for five. I don't think he will. I honestly, you think he's going to be chasing a bag here? I think he's in a test the market. Wow. I wouldn't be surprised if by... I think the Rangers would actually offer him $6 million. I think he's in a test the market because the agent's going to tell him, test it. So that if another team gives you six, Bergevin's pressured. And, and then he has leverage, right? Exactly. You know what? 
I agree with you. And I think that for himself and for the purpose of, or, and for his intentions and like money purposes, he should absolutely test the market. 100%. But I think Bergevin shouldn't be scared to say, look, Phil, I'm going to offer you five and a half playing in your hometown. You love playing here for the fans. I'm going to give you five and a half. You know, we're in a sticky situation here, but feel free to go and take and it or leave it. Go look. You know what I mean? It's a, if he wants to stay here, he has to take a hometown discount. Yeah, and by hometown dis- discount, let's be real. It's like $500,000. Literally. And that adds up, though, every year, right? Oh, absolutely. Exactly. But I'm just saying, like, when you're looking at a contract, I'm going to say in quotes here, like, this big. Like, when you're looking at that type of contract, the 500K is not the yeah, end of the world, exactly. right? Um, but I wouldn't give him six. I would not give him six. Would you give Phil Deneau five by five? Yes. Or Christian Dvorak two by three and a half? You want my honest answer? Two years by three and a half million. Christian Dvorak, absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? There's there's a topic of conversation. But Mark, keep this in mind. He's here. UFA, right? Dvorak? I'm yeah. not familiar with the situation. I just I watched a lot of him this year just because of I actually had him in fantasy at one point. Don't ask me mm-hmm. why. But he's a very good hockey player. And you know what he fits and he fits a perfect third line role. He fits a perfect third line That's role. That's what I'm saying. So you give room for the Kotkiniemi and Suzuki to grow without having to know they're saying, well, this is my team. I want And especially, and Mark, especially, let's say Dano was getting, let's say the Habs, I'm going out on a limb here, but let's say they go and give him $6 million. Five times six. Yeah. Oh, I would. I would okay, I'm, sa- I'm just saying. No, I'm no, not, I know. I'm, I wouldn't be happy. But I wouldn't be happy, well happy. But, but when you're getting, when you're getting paid $6 million as the quote-unquote third-line center, he's going to feel that he has a much bigger responsibility on this team as opposed to a guy like Suzuki or Kotkaniemi. Oh, and yeah. that's not what... And we don't want to salvage that. So with that being said, signing a guy like Christian Dvorak to a cheaper contract where he knows his role and he's going to get to play with a couple line mates that, you know, they're not, they're not just... Uh, oh, I'm completely wrong on this one. My bad. Why? Christian Dvorak has signed until 2025. <laughs> Did he just sign a contract this year? I think he did. Cause what's, I, the, what's the contract? I don't know why I was under the impression that he would hit UFA. He's 4.4. 4. 4.4. It's a, a good contract. Million a year? Yeah. For how many years? Until 2025, know? he becomes UFA. So one... Two, okay, so three, we were off. Two, but yeah. uh, No, that's my bad. No, no worries. I don't know why I was under the impression that he was... Like, I went along with it too, so I'm not... Uh. I was under the impression that... But again, that topic is still for discussion. Would you take a... Would you take a five and a half Dino or a four point four Christian Dvorak? Oh, still I you know would. What still, I mean, I would still take Dvorak because you're saving about a million dollars in cap, and Dvorak knows that the second that he steps foot on this team, if it were ever to happen, which it's not going to. Yeah. But hypothetically, he knows that he's playing that third line role and nothing else and nothing less. You know what I mean? Sorry, nothing more and nothing less. He'll never be on the fourth line, but he'll never be on the first line. Like, let's just replace the name Dvorak for another guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Our mistake for. Yeah, it's my bad. I didn't realize. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm looking at. Uh, I should have checked before. I don't know why I was under the impression that he was UFA. Okay, let's take a guy like. I'm looking at it right here. Because this is all UFAs. Yeah. So let's just take a guy like. Can there's no great centers, but I'm just throwing out this name, David Krejci. Yeah. I mean, look. I think personally, he's a second line player. Or you know what? This is a little better. How old is he? Oh, he's he's a little older now. I was gonna say. I was going to say Tyler Bozak, but he's a little old. Yeah, there's not. There's nothing great. There's nothing. Oh, you know what? 
I like this one. Alex Wenberg. Oh, yeah. A guy like him. I much rather pay him at two years for three. Yeah. Because that's what he's, his market value is right now, as opposed to Dano at 5.5 for five. Five years yeah. for five and a half. I don't know how Wenberg is defensively. He's 26. He put up 30 points in 56 games. Mm-hmm. And he's always been... Look, when he was in Columbus, he was a second-line guy, and he was putting up points. He had one great season. But now with Florida, he was playing third-line minutes. He knew his role, and... It's true. Like, it's done, you know? And these are all scenarios, by the way, for those listening. We're not saying we want oh. Deno out. We're just right. saying if the price is too high... There's alternatives. Absolutely. And like even that another guy. That saves money. 100%. Like in another guy, like Eric Holla. I mean, look, he's not an incredible player, but he is a third line center. Yeah. And to have him there for maybe $2 million a year for Literally. three more years, I'm not... Here's the thing. Keep in mind. I'm not saying that... And I know you agree with me. I'm just making it clear for the people listening. Yeah. Dano is the ideal third line guy to have. 100%. But when you're paying him $5.5 million to sit on your third line and play a very impactful role, but still to be giving him that third line tag. It's too expensive. It's too expensive. So too expensive. with that being said, we're looking down the list here and you know, you have guys like, like I said, Eric Halla, even Jordan Martinook. And like, don't get me wrong. I don't think these guys defensively or even offensively are as capable as Dano, mm-hmm. but for half the price might be worth it. Because then... Next year, he has to sign Suzuki, which I think he's not getting a bridge deal. He's. I think that's... You want to hear my bull take on that? Eight by eight? Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, Andrew Kopp is UFA too, but I have a feeling that Winnipeg's going to be yeah. all over that. Okay, we'll go... Next on the list is uh, Mr. Eric Stahl. Oh, see you later, buddy. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you for coming. That was, was kind of that was kind of rude. It's fun but to see you. Was, you know why I say... Yeah. I, I just... It's cool to have a Stahl brother. Yeah, that's cool. That, Absolutely. But you know, when I, nice when I remember right after it happened, I called you and we were kind of talking about it. We we're yeah. like, you know, it makes sense. It's great. It's for the fourth line. And now looking at it, much rather just have Evans there. Honestly. Oh yeah. I think you ruined the depth chart a bit. It was good for like locker room presence. Yeah. But. And you know what? I think he made an impact in that Leaf series because him and, their, and Corey Perry stepped up and yeah. made a, made a statement. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Especially for those picks. Like I really don't care about the picks. What was the pick even? Was it like a fifth or something or a fourth? No, I think it was like, it was two picks. I think a third and a fifth, maybe. Okay. Anyways, the next, uh, Thomas Tatar. It's too bad, but I think yes. he's... I mean, Salut. look, Salut I, I'm going to say... Okay, I, hey, I like him a lot. He is realistically gone. He's not coming back. But you know what? He's a good hockey player that deserves... You have to replace his goals, though. Right? Because you can't forget yeah, about his regular season goals. For sure. So. I mean, but not really this year. Yeah, not really this year. And, but he's gone. But we felt the wrath, though. We did, because when he wasn't scoring goals, he's a guy that you expect to score goals. Yeah. So when he's not, you kind of have to subsidize that with Tyler Toffoli, who stepped yeah. in nicely. But it's let's true. be real. I don't think Tyler Toffoli is scoring 30 goals again next year. I don't. Yeah, me neither. Well, actually, 82-game season, he might hit 30. Fair enough. But I think that like this was... He had a crazy performance this yeah. season, so... But um, um, yeah, I look, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Thomas Tatar. Unfortunately, I think he's going to hit the market. And, oh, he will. And, and I think gone. he will get paid. I think he will get like a $4.75 million deal somewhere. Maybe. You um, think less? Uh, yeah, I think he gets less than Tyler Toffoli. So you think he gets like four? Because yeah, Tyler's at I think 4.25. He, I think he's high threes even. Really, eh? Yeah. I don't I, know. I, could see, I can see him slotting in like, and I say, and it's funny because a lot of people think that this is like the the team that everyone refers to when it comes to 
scoring wingers, but the Islanders. Yeah. Like I could see him playing a first line role yeah. with with uh, Barzell, and I can see them giving him four and a half. It's true, but we'll see. Um, we'll go through two R- RFA's. Actually, never mind. Well, there's Kotkaniemi. We don't need to talk about him. He's gonna sign his bridge deal. Whatever. I I hope. Oh, he's I, gonna sign a bridge deal. He's gonna sign it. It's not about that. It's about the way they're using him right now and the way that they're kind of messing with his head. Leads me to believe that. I think he's gonna come back. What if they want to trade him? I I don't want to talk about that. I'd, whatever. I'd be so upset. But you know what? It's crazy now because I like looking at these lists and then I see Wenberg. I really like that name. Yeah. I really like that name. Arturi Lekkonen? I think he has to come back. I do. I doesn't have to. He has arbitration rights and he's RFA. So it's easier to sign him rather than Armia. Okay. But you know what? I think you give him three more years, $2 million, call it a day. Maybe oh, yeah. 1.7. One, I give him day. two years, one and a half. Thanks, Arturi scored our goal to go to the. But you know Stanica what? I think he's a, he's a. You don't want to lose a player like him. No, you don't. I think like for nothing. I, just like Armia, you don't, because those guys fill your lineup, and I much have. I'm excuse me. I much rather have a guy like Arturi Lekkinen on my third line as opposed to a guy like Travis Zajac, for example. Mm-hmm. And I know it's different positions, and I know it's like completely different. But all I'm saying is that like I rather a guy like in Arturi Lekkinen who works his ass off and makes an impact every time he's on the ice, as opposed to someone who's invisible, shift in and shift out. These two are going to go through extremely quickly. I don't even want to. Gustafson, Chow. Gustafson, Merrill. Thank you. See you never. Um, And we're going to end it off on this. Oh, and one more name. Sorry, because I just saw it. I kind of like Sean Corrali as maybe a potential third line center for any team. Again, you pay him very cheap. You save a lot of money. And you can use that money towards Suzuki next year or or even someone this year if they were interested, right? Yeah. Here's my bold take. Let's hear it. I have two, actually. Shea Weber doesn't make it past 2023. Retires. So, next year. That's my bold take. I think he's I think done. I think I can agree with you on that. And I think say he's that done. Next year is his last season. And here's my other one. My other bold take. Jonathan Duane will be a Seattle Kraken. That name sucks. I hate I'd, it. <laughs> I hate it. I'd give Seattle... Whatever they want. Not whatever. Well, but come on. I'd give them some picks. Take him. No. He literally no. has one you year think? left at five and a half. That's not expensive. Well, the way he's playing, it's expensive. But for Seattle, that's nothing. Yeah, but and- Mark, I mean, you're, you're going to go to them and say, please. Like, who is so important to protect to the point where Evans. you're giving them picks? Okay. Yes, I agree with you. Allen. But- but you don't think but you don't think it might be a given that they just take Drewing just like that? Mm-mm. I think so. No. They They're have gonna... to fill the cap. And especially Well, look, if I'm uh, Ron Francis, I call Bridgerine for the expansion draft and I tell him, We're interested in taking Allen. What are you gonna give me to not take Allen? I'll give you a second. Okay, we're gonna take Evans. Oh wait, wait, wait. Okay, I'll give you a third. Now you give him a second and a third to not take Evans and Allen. Take Drouin. Like, Vegas got picks to take Flurry, even though they were going to take Flurry no matter what. I think you, you give them whatever they want. Like, give them picks. Take Drouin. Because his trade value is literally in the gutter. So you can't even trade him. It's so unfortunate that that had to happen. It's really sad, but 
it's an easy way to get rid of five and a half million. You know how much five and a half yeah, million dollars? Yeah, it's crazy. Can, I can agree. You? And and I think it's worth it too. And if you get rid of Byron, if you get rid of Byron and Droy in one summer, that's three point four, and the five and a half. Yeah. That can go to a nice defenseman. And even a forward, like whatever. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. Also, I didn't even notice Elias Patterson's an RFA. What do you think um, he gets? You know, here's the thing. They have like, this is off the top of my head. They have like $20 million in cap space. Do they? Vancouver. And they have to resign Hughes and Pedersen. And other guys. I mean, let's be real. Like That's not enough money. What do you think Hughes gets? Like with the comparisons? Because McCarr's also an RFA. People are thinking that he might get offer sheeted. They have projected cap space 15.8. For And they have to sign those two guys and more. They have to sign Sutter. Travis Boyd, who cares? Okay, whatever. Gravorak, who the hell? Howard, Ch- Jimmy VC. Okay, these guys are all bums. <laughs> then they have Alexander Edler, Travis Hamanick, Oli Uolevi, who's going to get nothing. Quinn Hughes. I don't know what Hughes gets. I feel like he can get like... And Pedersen. What do you think Hughes gets? I think he gets like seven. Or more. Pe- oh, Hughes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. More? I mean, again, like a... Eight, eight by eight, eight by nine, eight years, nine million. Sorry, he, nine by eight. He hasn't I lived think I'm saying it backwards. Nine me, by eight. To me, he's an unbelievable player, but if you're comparing him to Makar, he's not a Makar. He's level. not. He's not. But they're desperate. He has he has all the cards. Imagine if he says, okay, I'll wait. I'll sit this year out. Pulls a Mitch Marner. That's what Marner did. He said, I'm going to wait to give me Mar- Matthew's money. Anyways, we're going to end it off on our sponsors. So once again, shout out to World's Best Media on Instagram. Nick takes amazing pictures, videos, photography. He's the best. It's World's Best Media on Instagram without the O. So world without the O. And we'd also like to take the time to shout out our good friends at Signature Pro. They have put together weekly memorabilia charity auctions that include a variety of items with star bids of $10, $5, and even $1. Every Friday auctions begin, which lasts till the following Wednesday at 8 p.m., and 15% of the proceeds are donated to a new charity every week. Since the beginning of 2021... They have given back $2,046 per week. Make sure to visit them at signaturepro.bidandraise.com to start bidding now. That's signaturepro.bidandraise.com. This is probably the end of the episode. We can't do bold predictions because mm. there's no more games. Too bad. The Habs lost in the Stanley Cup final. It's the end of the road. It was our first ever Stanley Cup final that we got to witness. It was a great year. And thank you to the Montreal Canadiens for allowing Quebec to assemble after having such a tough year through the pandemic. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. It was the best. But even when you would come over and watch the games, like it yeah. was just... It's the best. It was it, so fun to cheer. It was, yeah, something we'll always remember, I'm sure of. Absolutely. And on this note, for those who are still depressed, and I'll try to... Lift up your mood. Your spirits. Your spirits. It doesn't happen with every team, but for most teams, including Tampa Bay, you have to know how to lose before you win. Absolutely. So we'll end it on that note. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks a lot, guys.